Thanks for tuning into the Central Church Podcast. We exist to introduce people to Jesus and help them follow Him. To learn more about Central, access tons of content, and find the location nearest you, download our Central Church app. But for now, we hope you enjoy this message, and we're so glad you could join us today. All right, welcome everybody. Nice to see you today. I want to say shout outs to all of our Central Family locations. Big shout out to our family down at Central Kingman who had like record snow, crazy. And I uh, love you guys. Also want to say a big shout out to Central Summerlin. So grateful for our Summerlin family. To Central Southern Highlands, such an awesome community out there doing amazing things. And uh, to Central Sunrise Mountain, we're grateful for you guys. Thankful to be uh, in partnership together as we move forward. Also want to a big shout out to those who watch online and to those who are joining us in different prison facilities around the country. Thank you guys for being with us today. Well, we have been talking about being simply blessed the last few weeks, and uh, it's been a lot of fun. Week one, uh, we talked about how God loves to bless people. He's a God who blesses, and he wants to bless you in meaningful and powerful ways. Sometimes our view of God is that God is stingy or God you know, is withholding from us, but the Bible challenges us from the first pages to realize God loves to bless. And so we dived into that. We talked about that last week. We talked about this whole idea of gratitude and how gratitude uh, helps us count our blessings. We said, if you count your blessings, your blessings will start to count. In other words, they'll get more significant in your life. And gratitude really opens our hearts to receive all that God has for us in our lives. This week, I want to take it a step further and talk about how we are blessed to be a blessing to others. Uh, you see it from the early chapters of Genesis when God comes to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. He says, I'm going to bless you and I'm going to make you famous. I mean, everybody wants to be famous now, right? Like, that's the big, I want to be famous. I want to be well-known. People are what are you going to do? I'm going to be famous. What are you going to do? I don't know. But I'm going to be famous, right? You know, like, God comes to Abraham. Imagine if God says to you, I'm going to make you famous. Okay. That's like Beatles famous right there. Like, that's a whole other level of famous. I'm going to make you famous, he says, I'm gonna bless you so that you will be a blessing to the nations. In other words, I'm blessing you to bless others. And I wanna suggest to you today that God wants to bless you in your life. Not simply so that it can be a cul-de-sac, but so that it can be a bridge that brings blessing into the lives of others. He wants to bless you to be a blessing. And so I would suggest to you this idea, that generosity gives you what money promises you. That generosity actually gives you what money promises you. We're gonna talk about that, but before we do, I think the problem when we talk about generosity is uh, immediately we all feel broke, right? So I found some memes that I thought were uh, pretty good. Check these out. Uh, one meme just said, uh, I'm so broke, my baloney doesn't have a first name. Come on. Right. All right, here's another one. I'm so broke, I wish life would give me lemons because they are edible. All right, one more. I'm so broke, uh, if someone tried to rob me, they'd just be practicing. <laughs> like, go ahead, take whatever I've got. 
I saw another meme. Um, I couldn't put the text up on it because it, it, it kind of messed it up, but I'll just tell you what the text said, and then we'll, we'll look at the meme. Uh, the text said, I'm so broke um, that if I uh, swipe my debit card, it looks at me like this. <laughs> and I think that's the reality for us in our lives. I mean, payday is a great day, right? Payday is an awesome day because all of a sudden you've got a little margin, you can go some places, you can do some stuff, you can buy some things. But you know the challenge with payday, somebody said payday should be renamed exchange day because <laughs> you get money and it comes in, right? And then it immediately all starts flowing back out. Rent, mortgage, bills, uh, you know, hopefully a few fun things in there. Girl Scout cookies, you can't say no to little kids. Um, those shoes that were on sale, it's an amazing deal. You're saving money. That's what you're doing. And we go down this road, and then at the end of the month, you know, the, 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 the credit card bill shows up. And, and, and you don't even have to open a credit card bill. You can just feel the weight of it. You can tell, like, how, how is it? You know what I'm talking about, right? In fact, sometimes you don't open it as long as you can. Let's just put it over in the drawer right there. But you take that credit card bill, you feel and then you open it. And it, if you're like me, like, I remember opening the credit card bill and being like, Oh, I forgot about that. Oh, I forgot about that. And all this stuff. And so now you've got to do financial jujitsu to get all the bills paid, right? And so you do your you know, ninja stuff. You do your miraculous stuff. You get through the end of the month. Everything gets paid. The last few days, you're just waiting, right? Holding on for the next pay period. Am I in somebody's world? And then the money shows up and you're like, oh, thank God. And then the exchange rate begins again. The exchange day happens all over again. And a lot of times it feels like we're on this bus and I would just call it <laughs> the broke bus. Now, the thing about the broke bus is this. It doesn't really matter within reason how much money you earn. You can still feel like you're on the broke bus. In fact, I would suggest to you today that we often think if we just had a little more, then we'd be happy, right? If I just had $100 or you know, $1,000 or $10,000 more, then, then I would be happy. But what most studies show is that what usually happens is our income, uh, our, our expenses rise to the level of our income. And so think about it. Right now, most of you are making twice as much as you once made in your life. And you probably feel just as broke, maybe more so. But the broke bus is more than that. The broke bus is a mentality. It's a mentality that says, I've got to fight for number one because nobody else is going to fight for me. I'm alone in this world. And if I don't provide for myself and provide for those around me, nobody else is going to step in and help me. Life is about getting what you can get. It's survival of the fittest. It's fight, tooth, and nail. And that's a mentality that a lot of us start to embrace as we ride the broke bus. I used to ride the school bus growing up. Any of you ride the school bus growing up? Kids today are like, Mom, you dropped me off at school. And I'm like, man, you guys have it so easy. It was an hour getting there and an hour home. No joke. I spent two hours a day on the school bus. People, I got bullied on the school bus, got punched in the nose for the first time on the school bus, right? I tried to pierce my ear on the school bus for the first time. It didn't work. Came back the next day with ice cubes and everything, and we tried to pierce it again. I was going to be cool. But the school bus was a challenging place to learn the, the rules about 
life. And I think when it comes to money, a lot of us find ourselves on the broke bus. I wanna suggest to you today that even if your financial situation doesn't change, you don't have to drive in the broke bus. I wanna suggest that you can ride in a blessed bus, in a bus that, that is led by God and driven by God. And listen, God does not drive a broke bus. God is not broke. And just for extra measure, God doesn't need your money, right? Because God has everything. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't need anything. I don't know who your God is, but my God doesn't need the way I need. He's the provider of everything. And as you look through the Bible, he generously provides for his people. He generously gives to his people. And here's how that changes your mindset. Listen, if your God has the cattle on a thousand hills, if your God owns Wall Street and um, all the financial markets, if your God has all the wealth in the world, then he's not up there worried about having too little. He's a God who loves to give. In fact, he gave everything in his own son, Jesus Christ, who came and lived and died for us. So he's a generous God. He's a giving God. He's a providing kind of God. And when you get that in your heart and in your mind, you're no longer on the broke bus, even though you may be broke. You can smile because you believe deep down that God is going to meet your needs. Because you believe deep down that God is going to show up and provide for you. Because you're not trusting the market or the 401k to ultimately end all the problems in your life and give you security. You're trusting God ultimately for those things in your life. So I want to talk about how we can ride in the blessed bus in our lives today. And to do it, let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter eight, beginning in verses one and two. This is so good. The way we do this is central. We'll bring this up on the screens. I'll read it out loud. When we get to the red word, read it out loud with me. And uh, we'll just cruise along here. This is Paul writing to the Corinthians. Here's what he says. Now I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. That's a certain region. It says they're being tested by many troubles and they are very poor but they are also filled with abundant, what? Joy, you see that? They're filled with joy, which has overflowed in rich generosity. Some of you may be here today and maybe you're going through some troubles. You know what I'm talking about? You feel like you're in it. You're facing some real tests in your life. Maybe at work, there's trouble. Maybe with the bottom line at work, there's trouble. Maybe with the market you're in, there's trouble. And you, you feel it brewing. You sense it coming. Maybe with your kids, there's trouble. Maybe with the marriage, there's trouble. Just because you're facing trouble doesn't mean you can't have joy. Maybe you feel broke right now. Maybe there's just not enough money coming in to meet the needs for all that needs to go out. But I want you to notice two things that we just read. The Macedonians were filled with many troubles and they were very poor. And listen, when Paul says in the New Testament 2,000 years ago, somebody was poor, that's poor at a different level than most of us fathom. In other words, they were really poor. But what did they have? Joy and generosity. Just because you're broke, you don't have to ride on the broke bus, right? You may not have a lot and you may be tested right now and things may be hard, but you can still have joy in your heart and life and it can overflow 
in generosity. Now, let me just set the context. Paul, he's trying to take an offering for these believers in Jerusalem who are really struggling. It's like a humanitarian aid offering from the different churches. And the Corinthians had said, yeah, we're all in. We're going we're gonna to make a gift, you know, as a church. We're going to do it. And then they didn't follow through, just like those Corinthians. So Paul has to write them to kind of nudge them along like, hey man, you said you were gonna do something and you haven't done anything. And he uses as an example the Macedonian believers who frankly aren't much better off than the Jerusalem believers that they're raising money for. And so he's like, hey look, if they did this, what could you do in your life? And so how do we fight for, or how do we um, double our blessing, if you will, through generosity. The first principle I wanna share with you is this, to fight for joy in your life, to fight for joy. I saw this uh, uh, just list of some things that Tonight Show asked people to tweet in, uh, the hashtag about dumb arguments people have, hashtag my dumb argument. And uh, some of these were funny. One person said this, caught in a traffic jam, yelled at a guy, have a nice day. He yelled back, no, I won't have a nice day. My dumb argument. All right, let's bring up the next one. My wife and I got in an argument over whether Mickey and Minnie were married or just dating. <laughs> Hashtag my dumb. You ever got in an argument like that with someone and while you're in the middle of it, you're like, I can't believe we're actually arguing about that. Which by the way, just as a little aside, how many of you think Mickey and, Mary, uh, Mickey and Minnie were married? Married, okay, and how many of you think they were dating? Walt Disney actually answered this. Walt Disney said that off screen, Mickey and Minnie were married, but on screen they played characters and sometimes those characters were dating and sometimes they were married. <laughs> so that's when the answer is more confusing than the argument, right? Like there it is, it's all been cleared up here. All right, one more, let's bring this up. Uh, one time my parents got in a fight because my dad tried to convince my mom that his leg cramp was as painful as childbirth. <laughs> Hashtag my dumb argument. Listen, guys, just, you know, you heard it in church. Word of collective wisdom for the guys. Never go down that road. You're never gonna win that argument. Doesn't matter what it is. Just don't even think about going down that road. But you know, there's some things that we argue about or fight about that are just, just dumb and foolish. And we look back and we go, that wasn't worth fighting about. But when it comes to joy in our life, joy is something worth fighting for. And what I want for you in your life is to experience the joy that comes from generosity. Generosity can deliver what money only promises. Here's what I mean. Money promises us joy, security, hope, a future, freedom, right? Money promises us meaning, purpose, significance. Money promises us that and everything else. And while it's great to have money, and I hope you have a lot, listen, in and of itself, money can't deliver on those promises. But generosity can deliver more of what money actually promises. Because generosity moves your mindset from a broke mindset to a blessed mindset. It changes your heart and you experience what we call the double blessing. The double blessing is you're blessed by God and you receive. And then you're generous and bless somebody else in your life. And so you have the double blessing of now knowing that you were part of helping somebody else. But not only that, you've prepared your heart, you've showed that you're faithful, you've opened yourself up now to be blessed even more by God. 
And then you bless somebody else, and then God blesses you even more, and then you bless somebody else. And, they go, and I'm telling you, there is a cycle of generosity that God has wired up. And when we are generous, and it's it, when we are generous, we're opening our lives to be blessed by God. And some of us in our lives have never experienced the real blessing God wants to do in our lives because we've never taken the step of generosity. We've held on to the promise of what money can give us and not realized it's actually generosity that can give us what money promises. And so you can double your blessing. You can double your blessing. Look at what we see. Second Corinthians chapter eight, beginning in verse three, uh, Paul writes these words. He says, I can testify that they, the Macedonian Christians, the people who were troubled and very poor, but filled with joy and generosity. He says, I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. And they did it of their own free will. They begged us, what? Again and again, they packed us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. He, look, you kind of get the sense that Paul's like, doesn't feel right about asking the Macedonians for money. You get this sense? He's kind of like, yeah, we didn't. They just kept insisting that they get to be a part of this offering. You kind of get the sense that Paul's going like, hey, they're, they're not really better off than the people we're raising money for. What can they do? But they insisted again and again. They did not have a broke mentality. One of the things I think sometimes that we think in our lives is that our gift, whatever it may be, our gift of time, our gift of talent, our gift of money, our gift of stuff, that our gift is too small to make a difference, right? I was talking to somebody right before service and, and they, were, they were talking about, um, they were in a worship service at Central and we had a prayer time during the worship moment and just a time where you could raise your hand if you needed prayer. And, they said for the first time they, they had raised their hand and, and somebody had prayed for them. But what I thought was interesting is they said they hadn't raised their hand in the past because you know there's, there's so many people around and there's so many needs. In other words, my need's not significant enough to raise my hand and to ask for prayer. But what I think she experienced and found is no need is too small or too insignificant. And when we open our hearts to God, he can move and work in our life. Don't rob yourself of the blessing of generosity by thinking your gift, whatever it might be, is too small. Won't matter. I'll just hang on to it. Listen, a handshake can matter. A hug can matter. A kind note can matter. A word of encouragement can matter. And sometimes in these pivot points in our life, it's actually the smallest acts, isn't it? The smallest acts that can have the greatest impact on our life. God can use that. So take whatever gifts, time, talent, money, resources you have, and just say, God, help me be generous with the people around me. Just show me and then use these things to bless other people. Multiply the impact. I mean, you may be a trainer and somebody comes in and they're, they're working out and you're training them and you don't underestimate what just your faith and belief in them could do in their life way outside of the gym, right? You may be a teacher. Don't underestimate what a word, a kind uh, moment of encouragement, just, you know, a little note on a piece of paper could mean in the life of a kid who's struggling and hurting. You never know what the smallest act of generosity could do. So fight the too little mindset. Fight for joy through generosity. Here's another thought. Give your heart 
to God or give God your heart. Give God your heart. Paul goes on, he writes about these Macedonian uh, Christians. Let's bring this up. Second Corinthians chapter eight. He says, they even did more than we had hoped. But notice this, he says, for their first action was to give what? Themselves to the Lord and to us, just as God wanted them to do. See, the reason that they were able to get off the broke bus the reason they were able to live blessed, even though they didn't have very much, the reason they were able to be generous, even though they didn't feel like there was a lot to go around, the reason they overflowed with generosity is because they gave God their heart first. Now, anytime we talk about generosity in the church, people think, well, the church just wants your money. Actually, the church doesn't want your money. Everybody else wants your money. Amazon wants your money. Netflix wants your money right? Dunkin' Donuts wants your money. Starbucks wants more and more and more money for a triple grande, quad shot, whatever. But when it comes to our faith, hang with me here, it's actually way worse than that. God doesn't just want your heart. He wants all your money. He wants your kids, your dreams, your future, your time, your plans, everything that you are, your identity. God isn't coming along saying, I just want a little part of you. He's saying, no, no, it's worse than that. I want all of you. I want all of you. And when you give yourself to God first, well, then generosity is a non-issue because you serve a generous God and that God's got your back and God's gonna bless you and take care of you. And as he does, you bless others and then God blesses you with more and then you bless others and God blesses you with more. And it's a cycle of generosity that we get into in our lives. I remember years ago, my kids were little. They still do this today, it drives me crazy. But when they were little, we went to Taco Bell one day and I remember we came home and we, we set up the Taco Bell in our kitchen on the little table there. And my son, Ethan, was just like a little bit more than a toddler right? And he's sitting there and he's got a Taco Bell burrito. And I said, Hey buddy, can I have a bite of your burrito? And he threw his body over the burrito and he said, my burrito, my burrito. And I remember just sitting there and I'm looking at him and I had this thought of like, dude, Everything in your life I've provided for you. I give, I put a roof over your head. I feed you. I change your diaper. I sat up with you when you wouldn't sleep, me or, or your mom. Uh, look, everything you have in your life I provided for you. This is not your house. You don't sleep in your bed. You don't even use your toothbrush. It's my toothbrush and I let you use it. It's my house and I let you live in it. It's my burrito and I'm going to let you have a bite. Now I didn't say that, but I, it all went through my head. Come on parents, you know what I'm talking about? Like, But I wonder if God doesn't look down at us sometimes in the area of generosity in our lives and not have the same kind of thought. I provided everything for you. And yet you, sometimes we get so twisted up when it comes to generosity, even small amounts of generosity, when God's the one who's given everything to us. He's the giver of the gift. So Paul goes on to the Corinthians and he urges them to 
step out in generosity, and he actually uses this language, he says, to excel in generosity, to excel at it, to get, to get better and better and better at it. And that's simply what I want for you. And I want it for you for this reason. In my own life, over the last 25 years, as we've grown, Lori and I, in our personal generosity, we've just realized more and more and more that life is not about us, and it's not about what you accumulate, and it's not about what you have. Doesn't mean you can't have nice things. I hope you get lots of them. But fundamentally, what's gonna give you joy is blessing somebody else. What's gonna make you happy is making somebody else happy. What's gonna fill your life is pouring your life out for others. Jesus says, if you, if you lose your life for my sake, you'll find it. He says, if you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. So you surrender it to God and you say, God, it's all yours, I give it to you. Help me excel in generosity. So I've got just um, some buckets up here to help us think about how maybe we can excel in our own personal generosity. And it's gonna look different for all of us, but first I just want you to think a little bit about, about kind of where you're, where you're at in your, uh, in your life and in your generosity. Um, First, we have uh, what we might call a sometimes giver. This is just a person that's generous sometimes, you know, like maybe at church or maybe with a friend or maybe, but it's more hit and miss, right? It's generosity, it matters, but it's, it's more sometimes. Then we've got, like at Central, we have this category of like a generosity rock star, somebody that gives in a reoccurring way, so it's a kind of a continual commitment they make. Others have kind of grown in their faith to a place where they tithe, and tithe is a word that means tenth, it's an Old Testament principle, and the idea is that um, you get to a place where you commit back to God 10% of your income and what he provides for you. The idea is, look, 90% uh, with God is more than 100% on your own. Lori and I have tithed for over 25 years, and I believe it does release something in the spiritual realm, but sometimes people just aren't ready for it. So you gotta get there, you gotta be ready for it, but when you take that step, I think you'll never regret it. But it doesn't end there. Some of us may be at a place when it comes to generosity where we should consider it like tithe plus. And this is where Lori and I and our family have lived for a long time. We didn't just stop at 10%. It's not the ceiling, it's the floor in a lot of ways to grow in our generosity. And as God has brought more into our lives, we're able to be more generous. We're able to instill that cycle of generosity. So all I would ask you to do is think about where you're at and maybe consider excelling another level, moving forward in your generosity so that you can experience the joy of what it looks like to find generosity giving you what money always promised you to find generosity giving you joy, filling your heart, to find what it looks like to know that, look, I'm, I'm blessed to be a blessing and I'm blessing somebody else. And in blessing somebody else, I'm doubling my blessing and I'm preparing myself to be blessed even more by God. So across our locations, if you wanna take a next step in generosity, you can grab an envelope, you can fill that out. There's all kinds of information there that can help you take that step. Maybe you're at a place in your life where you know, the step that you need to take isn't so much related to financial generosity. Maybe it's related to your gifts and your talents and your abilities and being generous with what God has put in your hand. Or maybe it's um, you know, related to being generous with your time, with your family, with your friends. Generosity can go a whole lot of different directions, but you're never going to regret being generous towards God. You're never gonna regret that. 
Generosity gives you what money promises you. So take what God has given you, bless others, and double your blessing. Maybe you're here today and maybe you've never really crossed the line of faith. And the awesome thing about God, the Bible calls him the blessed God. God loves to bless, but God, his heart is that he gives. He's a giver. John 3, 16, God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son, that whosoever should believe in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And so maybe you've never crossed that line of faith, and I want to encourage you today to step out and cross the line of faith in your life and place your trust in Christ. He doesn't just want part of you. He wants you to surrender all that you are, your past, your mistakes, your sins, your failures. But here's the promise. You'll be forgiven. You'll receive the gift of eternal life. God says, I will be with you till the end of the age. You'll never be alone. You'll always know that his spirit is present in your life. He'll support you and sustain you. He'll provide for you. It can help you get out of a broke mentality into a blessed mentality because you have a heavenly father that loves you and cares for you. And so if you've never crossed the line of faith in your life, Book of Romans in the New Testament says that if we will believe in our heart, God raised Christ from the dead and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. And so I wanna just give you that opportunity across our locations. If you'd like to take that next step in your life today, you can just repeat this simple prayer after me and ask God to move and work in your heart and in your life. Would all of you bow your heads and close your eyes? Just repeat after me. Say, dear God, I thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending Jesus into the world. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. I believe he rose again. Forgive me for my sins. Give me the gift of eternal life. Help me face the challenges that I'm up against. God, I surrender my life to you in Christ's name. And friends, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's your prayer today, if it's your commitment, I wanna ask you to just slip your hand in the air just to acknowledge that you're gonna follow God in your life today, that you're no longer gonna go at it alone. Just slip your hand in the air. God, we thank you for your love for us. I thank you for each person just reaching out to you today. I pray you fill them with your peace, your joy, your goodness. And may we all come to know more of the generosity of who you are and trust it in our lives. We ask these things in Jesus' name, amen.